It's all about tactical cycling. Hey, I need to be super focused on Friday morning for a podcast, then I'll take this particular stack or on Wednesdays when I've got interviews with clients, then somebody may want to use you know, other compounds. Welcome to the Seamland Podcast. I'm your host, Seam Lund, and our guest today is Lucas Owen. Lucas has studied exercise science and naturopathy. In this episode, we talk about his new Nootropics Masterclass video course that teaches you how to optimize your brain performance with supplements. If you want to check out the video course, then head over to seamlund.com forward slash Nootropics class and use the code SEAM15 for a discount. You can also find the link at the show notes at seamlund.com forward slash 273. Lucas, welcome back to the show. What's going on, Sim? Yeah, it's, uh, glad to talk. I'm glad to talk with you again. And uh, we had our first podcast um, a few months ago where we uh, talked about uh, mostly like testosterone and uh, your experiments with boosting your testosterone. Uh, but you also have, which I would recommend to people to check out as a good episode, uh, but you also recently came out with a, like a nootropics uh, masterclass, uh, which talks about everything related to just optimizing your brain uh, with these uh, nootropics. So we're going to be uh, talking about that uh, in this episode. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> like what made you, you know, want to optimize your brain or what made you want to kind of figure out what how to become like limitless essentially yeah man i mean i've always been um really fascinated by the brain and understanding various like neurotransmitters and i think it all stems from playing uh professional soccer i was always interested in um improving my performance on the soccer field and um that's when i started experimenting with a few nootropics back in the day and I just noticed a massive difference in my ability to sort of read the play when I was, when I was playing soccer and my ability to judge my opponents. And then I sort of looked outside the box and thought, well, maybe there are nootropics that can sort of support me with my studies. And then, yeah, I fell in love with the whole idea that we can um, completely biohack our uh, neurotransmitters. Hmm. Have you ever had like, uh, yeah, like any, any, like a, I don't know, like a university or big project uh, where you were forced to, you know, optimize your brain in some ways, or uh, was it just to kind of to optimize it for the sake of uh, your overall quality of life uh, in general? Yeah, actually, it's it's funny you ask that because in the early days of my study, I actually really struggled to initiate projects. I always like, I, I tended to sort of procrastinate and overthink, and I was very like comfortable in just not taking action. Hmm. Um, and that sort of held me back with my studies. Like there were assignments that were due and, you know, sometimes I'd leave them to the last minute and that would cause a lot of stress. And then, you know, I came across various compounds that could completely reverse that. And I would say they've completely changed that because now I'm someone who literally will get assignments done before the teacher even assigns the, the work. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a quite... Uh amazing and very interesting um, because uh, yeah like a lot of people may think that they are procrastinators or they have ADHD or uh, they have low um, motivation levels or those kind of things but which could be true like they could be like some genetic uh, predispositions and some like personality traits uh, psychological personality traits that affect that uh, but you can still influence them influence that and you can still like you know um, achieve a certain state of mind uh, achieve a certain brain function with you know this biohacking by just adjusting your uh, lifestyle and adjusting your diet and uh, your supplements to or tailoring them to your uh, own uh, kind of uh, brain type and the personality yeah that's it and that, that that's the whole that's really the whole premise of cosmetic neurology which is the term i'm really trying to promote which is you know um taking a look at your symptoms and and your general state of being and then 
tackling that and manipulating the neurotransmitters and neurochemistry through the use of, you know, various nootropics. And towards the end, like I found a particular stack that would consistently get me into that really productive state that really, you know, just really focused and almost like I don't care about anyone around me. I just like, <laughs> just want to get, get work done. So it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Okay. Would you uh, care to share what that stack was or shall we leave it for later? Oh, we can, we can get into, yeah, some of the compounds that I used. I mean, um, the one that really turned my brain on that really just changed the way that I've perceived work and um, changed the way that I wanted to achieve goals was a compound called uridine monophosphate. Mm. Um, that one there, it's, it's heavily researched to delay the onset of Alzheimer's and um, entirely neuroprotective, but yeah, uridine's it's ironically very high in breast milk and also um, in beer and, mm. and also broccoli. Right. So um, yeah, it's an interesting compound. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we'll get into more of the other ones as well, uh, but uh, maybe we'll start with some of the basics of, you know, what are nootropics in general? Like how do you classify them and uh, how do you, how do they work in general? Yeah, I guess the best way to describe what nootropics are is basically any compound, either natural or synthetic, that can be used to improve any aspect of cognitive function. So that can be improved concentration, alertness, focus, uh, memory, and other aspects of sort of executive functioning. So really that term, it, it, there are many compounds that can be you know, classified under this particular category. Um, but I mean, in general, I'm someone who tends to lean you know, I'll leverage both natural and synthetic compounds because they, they both serve a purpose. Okay, right. Uh, and um, a lot of people will maybe like think that uh, nootropics are the same as like the smart drugs, uh, like actual uh, pills or pharmaceuticals, <laughs> but uh, nootropics themselves are actually, you know, more, most of them are like natural compounds and uh, they just, you know, have this uh, nootropic effect on the brain in, in some shape or form. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And the best way I like to describe it is um, people will view smart drugs such as, let's say, um, Ritalin or Adderall, things like that, as nootropics. But really, technically, they're not because they, they deplete the brain over time. They come with a host of side effects. Um, and in general, they're just not sustainable. Whereas nootropics, they can give you a lot of the benefits of these smart drugs, but without many of these side effects and tolerance and things like that. Okay. And uh, what's the laws or like uh, legislations around, uh, obviously like a lot of smart drugs would be um, not that easily available, whereas the nootropics themselves are uh, quite, you know, available, but uh, are, there, are there like any still like, are there some of the nootropics that are prohibited or they're kind of legislated or what's the situation there? Yeah, I mean, there are certain, there are some nootropics that are technically um, banned by WADA. So they, because they okay. do have a performance enhancing effect, they, they can um, maintain cognition during hypoxia, which is low oxygen environments. Um, and then there's another category of nootropics, such as the racetams, like paracetam, oxyracetam. Um, these ones here, a bit of a gray area, they're, they're pretty easy to get your hands on, like particularly in the US and Australia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, certain, then there's a whole range of natural compounds, which are very ubiquitous, um, and easy, easy to source. Mm, okay. I, I'm pretty sure like the caffeine was regular caffeine was also banned like a few, uh, 
decades ago in, in the Olympics at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that's um like caffeine anhydrous, I'm pretty sure it was yeah, banned up until a certain dosage range, mm. which is pretty crazy. Mm. And it's also like one of the most commonly used uh let's say nootropics or performance enhancing agents in the world for yeah like uh many many like hundreds hundreds of years almost that the people have been using it and it's in some way it's actually the most powerful or the most uh <laughs> least or the most uh, cost effective uh, way of boosting your performance both physical and uh, mental mm. absolutely i think um yeah if we look at the the research on caffeine you know you'll see numerous studies suggesting that it improves alertness um working memory um, athletic performance. Um, but then obviously one of the biggest drawbacks is the, you know, tolerance and the habituation aspect mm. of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I always like to think that, you know, the entire like progress of uh, at least Western civilization over the past, yeah, few hundred, few hundred years has been because of like caffeine, <laughs> like all these uh, scientists and uh, writers or uh, philosophers or whatnot using caffeine to kind of fuel their work and, uh, making like a lot of like a headway with that uh, so yeah where would we be without uh, caffeine <laughs> and also and also nicotine as well i think nicotine right. is a compound that i think a lot of um you know really well-known researchers and scientists have leveraged because nicotine also has an abundance of research protecting the brain um but it obviously the way that nicotine's viewed today, um, in and amongst in a cigarette, obviously that's absolutely not healthy. Mm. Yeah, it's also like the way you you uh, take those uh, compounds. Like, uh, yeah, you could get nicotine from um, nicotine patch or nicotine gum, which doesn't really have that deleterious side effects on your uh, like long term health. Uh, whereas, it, like a smoke or or a cigarette, yeah, does for sure. And, and even like, does tobacco itself have like any other nootropic qualities besides nicotine? Um, I think traditionally there, there's a there's a range of like cultural and historical uses for tobacco. I've never personally played around with like um, snus, which is that okay. um, tobacco um, sort of administration. But um, yeah, I think there'd be some other unique benefits that are probably outside of um, just regular nicotine patches. Okay, gotcha. Um, so how do how do these nootropics? Um... Obviously, they work in different ways, uh, depending on which one you're using. Um, but what's the kind of main way, or uh, are there any like similarities between these nootropics in the way in the way that they affect the brain? Like, uh, do they change any, or do they affect the neurotransmitters in some way, or uh, what makes them work, or what makes them kind of uh, be this uh, having this effect, positive effect on the brain? Yeah, it's a really good question. So. Um... In terms of how they actually work, they tend to cross a variety of um, domains within the within the brain. So they can either increase um, neurotransmitter release, slow the breakdown of various neurotransmitters. Um, some nootropics can alter um, neurotransmitter receptor sites um, and even affect some of the enzymes that affect neurotransmitter production. So... Um, Technically speaking, I mean, there's no um, single way in which, you know, nootropics work. They tend to cover a variety of pathways. For example, one that many people may know of is, you know, um, CDP choline, which is pretty much like a beginner choline supplement um, to help with boosting acetylcholine. But really, a CDP choline not only contributes to acetylcholine production, but then also affects phospholipid membranes and also 
um, dopamine receptor density as well. Okay, gotcha. Uh, choline is yeah, pretty uh, important. It's an essential nutrient for the brain as well. So, you know, obviously you need to also have your um, diet, general diet uh, covered to um, give you the all the essential nutrients that your brain uh, needs. And uh, maybe like the nootropics, if you if you were to be uh, yeah on a suboptimal diet, then the nootropics could like fix some of the loopholes in some way. But um, you know, <laughs> they wouldn't be like. Uh, or w- what do you think? Like, would the would you still get uh, a bigger boost from using the nootropics if you have like a good diet and you have all the essential nutrients uh, covered? Uh, or would you would you get better results if you um, were to be on a suboptimal diet and use the nootropics? Like, which how many how bigger of a boost would you see? Like, which percentage of a boost uh, is uh, is bigger in uh, which scenario? Yeah, I'd definitely say um, having a suboptimal diet and then using nootropics would would subjectively feel more powerful. Right. Um, yeah. Particularly in the case, like let's say a, ve- a vegan diet, which we know has <laughs> nutrient deficiency. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think CDP choline in that situation is really going to make them feel like a big difference. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I would also agree that yeah, because you would have feel because you're going to have a, like a bigger step upward from this uh, suboptimal state to at least like a normal. You would have uh, go from a suboptimal state to at least like a normal <laughs> state of functioning. Whereas if you were already at normal, then you may get like a slight increase with the nootropics, but the increase isn't like that significantly bigger, so to say. So if you, but if you want to go above normal, then you need to also have the, the optimal diet, and then the nootropics can take you like a bit of a higher. But it's not going to be like you know significantly higher compared to coming from like a low lower grade state. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, what are some other like very like very common nootropics uh, people use uh, besides like coffee and uh, nicotine that they don't really know that they're using? <laughs> Um, I would say even really basic things like um, peppermint tea and really simple things like matcha, maybe matcha green tea powder. Um, you know, these are really basic things, but they definitely have some degree of, you know, psychoactivity and they definitely affect, you know, neurotransmitters. For example, you know, yeah, matcha is rich in, in L-theanine um, and L-theanine is, I would say L-theanine is like the beginner's um, nootropic because, it's it's a great introductory drug um, because it you know has minimal side effects and um, it, it can provide a big a, a wide range of benefits, um, particularly for those who tend to be a little bit too overstimulated and over aroused when they're doing their work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can really help to bring things down a notch. Okay, yeah, LTN is a really good compound, especially to kind of stack it with a uh, coffee or caffeine to uh, balance. The uh, sympathetic effects of uh, caffeine with uh, this slightly um, inhibitory effects of L-theanine. Is there like any dosage for that, like uh, for L-theanine, that you recommend? Yeah, I mean, I've um, in the early days I played around with like some very very high doses of theanine. I, I first of all started from 100 milligrams, and then I worked my way all the way up to 1,200 milligrams um, <laughs> in one day, and just. I knew about the LD50. Like I knew I wasn't going to, you know, poison myself. I understand the pharmacokinetics and things like that. But yeah, in general, L-theanine at that big, at that sort of dose basically just felt like I compare it to now that I've got more experience, I literally just compare it to 500 milligrams of pure GABA. It just feels like GABA to me. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And GABA is the kind of inhibitory uh, neurotransmitter that makes you calm. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. 
Yeah, maybe I'll start with, uh, you mentioned the beginner stack. Uh, so uh, L-theanine would be that, maybe caffeine would be in, in that as well. Um, what else would you put into like a very beginner's uh, stack to try? I would, I would add in uh, something at least to preserve and or improve memory. So um, something like Bacopa monieri, which is a you know very well-known Ayurvedic um, herb. It's one of the first herbs that we learned about um, in naturopathy school. Um, and so Bacopa really does a lot of things in terms of um, providing the brain against, um, sorry, protecting the brain against um, toxins and heavy metals. Um, and it can also help to resensitize um, choline uh, in the brain and also affect acetylcholine um, breakdown as well. Okay, gotcha. And uh, in what form, like a capsule or a powder or uh, how do you take it? Um, in general, uh, I prefer to use capsule form. So looking at about 300 milligrams um, of Bacopa monieri. And that in general, you know, will provide someone with it is quite serotonergic and GABAergic. So it is quite the um, calming neurotropic. Uh, so it's not one that I'd use for someone who's already quite dulled down, um, but it is really good when we're looking at long-term memory um, and memory preservation. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, like what would be, uh, why would it uh, work in helping memory like is it is there something that usually inhibits people's ability to retain memories or make memories um, uh, and where would the bacopa come in and uh, fix that yeah so um, in terms of its mechanism mechanism of action it, it can also um, help to inhibit amyloid plaque buildup in the brain based on some of these rat studies it can also um, affect bdnf production in the hippocampus which is again going to affect memory formation and then it can also you know affect a variety of other um, pathways involved in um you know neuroprotection and also possesses you know potent antioxidant potential within the brain which is what we need when we're trying to um improve memory particularly under stressful conditions hmm. okay well that comes comes in handy for sure um does does stress itself have like a negative effect on obviously it has like a chronic stress will have like a negative effect on the brain um are there any ways to maybe uh, you know cope with that or uh, protect it against the stress to uh, make the brain still healthy keep it healthy absolutely in fact um one of my go-to's for like stress induced memory loss or stress related um neurodegeneration would be um panax ginseng um mm -hmm. A lot of the um, ginsenicides found within Panax ginseng, um, which get um, converted in the gut through the microbiome, which is pretty crazy. Um, these compounds are, are, are highly neuroprotective and they can, um, in some studies, help the brain recover from um, stroke. So I'm not saying st stress is, is like stroke, but um, some of the, there are some similar pathways there. So I see sort of Panax ginseng being a very versatile supplement for combating stress. Hmm, gotcha. And uh, ginseng is also good for the hormones, at least like uh, said to be like for the uh, sex hormones and testosterone and those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, Panax ginseng is also um, great for male hormone production um, and also, you know, inhibiting prolactin, which not many guys uh, know about. Hmm, yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of the uh, stress, then uh, all these 
adaptogens like uh, I don't know ashwagandha or um, reishi uh, those mushrooms as well would those be also categorized as uh, nootropics then <laughs> absolutely yeah I mean um, ashwagandha has some memory enhancing effects um, okay, really. rhodiola yeah. is the same as well and then um, yeah reishi mushroom is more like neuroprotective and more of the um, sleep enhancing adaptogen hmm Okay, that's a good uh, to know. Like the obviously, yeah, stress is going to be bad, and most people tend to uh, be a bit stressed out uh, by modern life. But what if someone is uh, the opposite? Like they're understimulated, that they, they need to kind of boost themselves up for more, like more energy, more focus, uh, more drive, more motivation. What, what would be like a good uh, stack for that? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd lean towards something called um, teacrine, which is um, very structurally similar to caffeine, but it's just got an extra methyl group. Um, and okay. basically, teacrine is stimulating um, in the same way that caffeine is, but it doesn't have any sort of, you know, based on the rat studies, it has no sign of tolerance. So even after eight weeks of administration, the, the rats were still getting the locomotive stimulation effect at the same dosage whereas with caffeine after like three to four days there was tolerance and so okay. they didn't respond as well well yeah that's a common uh, side effect of uh, caffeine that uh, your body gets used to it and then you need to kind of bump up the dose <laughs> to uh, keep getting the same effect so you end up getting like yeah from you start off with 200 milligrams or one cup of coffee and then you go two cups three cups uh, four cups uh, five cups <laughs> or like like most people or some people may end up going down that road if you kind of keep it moderate all the time that you don't exceed that dose then uh, after a while yeah that uh, it's not going to give you like this additional huge boost in performance and you don't subjectively feel that big of a difference and uh, but you need to if you were to resensitize yourself to kind of caffeine detox for a, few, a week or so so then uh, you would feel it again so and with with theacrine that doesn't happen so you're always getting that same effect right yeah that's correct okay. um and the other benefit of theacrine is that it doesn't it does not affect heart rate or blood pressure whereas mm. caffeine when you escalate the dose it starts to affect um you know physiological parameters like heart rate and blood pressure mm. gotcha <clears throat> yeah what is your let's say good focus uh nootropic stack like a productivity stack that you use for working yeah i mean um lately i've been leaning towards just a very very simple stack of um i really respond well to artichoke extract you'll see that in um, a range of formulas technically it's considered a hepatoprotective so it protects the liver and traditionally used to support liver function but I really like about 500 milligrams of artichoke extract combined with a small dose of uridine, maybe 50 milligrams of um, uridine monophosphate. And then I might stack that with about a thousand milligrams of um, L-phenylalanine, which is the essential amino acid. And that sort of stack is something that I'd take on a day where I'm like, I just need to get work done. Maybe not so much for a social outing or a gathering or meeting up with, you know, a large group of people because i'm pretty serious and pretty dominant like just focused <laughs> in that state um but it is great for yeah getting shit done mm. how long does it last like is it literally like for an entire day that you're kind of uh, out or in in the zone or how long does it have to kind of come down from it um i would say it sort of lasts you know between maybe seven to eight hours i can get a good you know stimulation effect from that um 
but I feel like, yeah, I'm someone who's, I'm someone who's very, um, very sensitive to supplements and I feel like I'm a, a, like a good high responder, a, a good responder to various compounds. Hmm. Interesting. Do you uh, use any other like more advanced nootropics or smart drugs even for uh, the focus and, and work? I mean, I've, um, I've experimented with a range of some of the, the hardcore ones like modafinil or um, armodafinil, but I'm really, I'm just, I'm not a fan of those in the long run. Um, I find that they, they deplete me too much the following day. And I always end up wanting to redose and without it, then I feel like I'm, you know, way below baseline. Um, but I have played around with other ones. Um, one that I really liked um, called Bromantane, which was the, um, it's the, the very first synthetic adaptogen sort of ever developed. And that one there was, you know, I'll, I'll use that every now and then to, um, you know, boost my focus and motivation. Mm, okay. Which way does you do administer it? Is it like a pill or? Um, I've got the powder form and so I just measure it out. I'll, I've got like micro scales and so I'll, I'll do like a really small dose, uh, maybe 10 to 15 milligrams. Um, and that's enough combined with some um, tyrosine or phenylalanine. And that sort of gives me that, you know, motivation and, and drive. Mm, gotcha. What's the uh, strongest <laughs> nootropic or strongest the smart drug that you've taken that has like something that you may even like regret, but like that was too, too much? Oh, um, actually, it was something called NSI-189. Mm. Um, that one there stands for uh, Neural Stem Incorporated. And it's, you know, it was a, it's a potent neurogenic um, nootropic. For me, um, I, I thought that compound would feel subjectively, you know, really good. But um, it was just making me have like super vivid dreams. And I just felt like really exhausted and... Um, you know, depleted. And looking back at some of the research, I've identified that the process of neurogenesis can be very exhausting for the brain. So that was actually, you know, just a, a short-term period where it was a bit of a struggle. But then once it sort of wore off, I saw, you know, I saw some um, benefits from the memory side of things. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> uh, what, what, what would happen if you did overdo the nootropics or uh, any other like booster do you have like any recovery protocol that you recommend to people do like are there any like downers that can help with that or do you have to kind of wait it out and uh, wait until the uh the uh the compound wears off uh it's a really good question because i've you know i found myself in situations where i'm like i really wish there was a control z button to actually undo <laughs> right. undo the effect but um Unfortunately, in some situations, I've literally just had to wait like six, seven days mm. for the compound to slowly exit. Lucky I've got a sauna, so I just use the sauna a lot. Mm. Um, take heaps of zeolite and calcium deglucurate to try and detoxify the body. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, I know that, you know, um, if you take like grapefruit, grapefruit tends to like uh, speed up the enzymatic reactions. And uh, if you take grapefruit juice with caffeine, then you... Uh, like spike it much higher, you absorb it much faster. And the same applies to like insulin, it kind of increases insulin um, production as well. Uh, so uh, would you, if you take like a grapefruit with some of these nootropics, uh, would you also kind of get them uh, faster or hit them faster? Um, well, grapefruit, technically, like there are certain drugs that interact with grapefruit and so it can inhibit the degradation or the, um, the excretion of certain drugs, which is why they're gonna be like super careful 
Um, only those drugs that are metabolized via, I think it's the C C CYP1A2, or no, sorry, CYP3A4 pathway mm. that grapefruit inhibits, um, then that's going to affect you know, the metabolism of some nootropics. Mm, okay, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> I know that, yeah, like if you, uh, it can be like a problem, like genetics can also be then uh, huge to know. Like uh, if you are a fast metabolizer of caffeine, and you take also the grapefruit juice, then uh, you may get like a huge, huge uh, surge of uh, this um, energy and alertness. I mean, it can be like too much as well. So it's good to know like what your genetics are. Uh, whereas if you're like a slow metabolizer, then that can also like uh, cause issues with that. Um, like, uh, uh, like, do you know, like, do you have any other genetics uh, that predispose you to either be careful with something uh, or uh, have to take like additional steps or take additional compounds? What are your genetics tell you? Yeah, there's um, one of the SNPs. It was the um, either the warrior or the warrior gene, which is the Mao A SNP. Um, mm. I think I had, um, when I did my 23andMe, it was a long time ago now, but um, when, I, when I first did the report, yeah, it did come back with um, low Mao A activity. So in general, I tend to already have quite high um, serotonin. So any nootropic that will stimulate serotonin production, such as ashwagandha um, or rhodiola or 5-HTP, these ones actually respond poorly, like very poorly to. Um, they tend to they tend to mess with my my motivation and um, pleasure response. So they're the ones I sort of um, avoid because they're in general that I don't respond well to those. Mm, okay, so you you would need more like uh, dopamine to uh, boost yourself up yeah exactly yeah more dopamine adrenaline cortisol <laughs> all the, all the stuff that you up. right right yeah like to feel more stimulated yeah uh, but, but how do you boost that dopamine then what what kind of uh, compounds do that yeah um so in the past of like i said i've played around with phenylalanine um uridine then there's another one that's, I, I call it the ayahuasca-inspired nootropic, which is um, 9-MBC, which is 9-methyl-beta-carboline. Um, and, and that one there is really good. I'll sort of use that maybe every, every second Sunday as like a resetter because it can sort of, um, it can increase the regeneration of um, dopamine neurons. And for some people, it can um, restore um, sensitivity to certain stimulants as well. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Do you have to like uh, reset yourself from these anotropics, uh, like I said, to resensitize themselves? Um, certain, yeah. I mean, certain pathways, if we're going to be constantly stimulating certain pathways and agonizing various receptors, then it would make sense to, you know, eventually, you know, re resensitize them through certain um, compounds mm. you can you can also just uh like fast from them or not use them to avoid them yeah I, I, that's another way of going about it is to have a washout period where you just don't use anything for like maybe one or two weeks mm -hmm. um that can work as well mm. I, I would imagine that can also just you know create some um dependencies like or semi like a physiological addictions uh on the, on, the, on the brain level that your brain at least like in caffeine is a good example of that if you use the caffeine all the time and you didn't stop using that 
then you feel like you know like you're uh, like a ghoul <laughs> looking for some caffeine or, or coffee because of your brain is used to this uh, higher level of uh, you know caffeinated state and uh withdrawal symptoms will uh, come from that like uh other like other comp other like what are the biggest uh compounds that you should have uh, the most like a uh, withdrawal symptoms yeah um some of the there's one particular racetam known as phenylparacetam and that that's the one that's banned by WADA. Mm. um and that's the one that helps athletes with you know athletic performance and um combating stress or hypoxia that one there if we um let's say somebody doses that maybe five days a week and then just suddenly stops like they're gonna feel very very depleted on day six like mm. very far below baseline mm -hmm. gotcha so how would you um prevent that from happening how would you prevent the kind of dependency and uh, addiction um in this situation it's all about tactical cycling um and being really strategic with um you know when to deploy certain compounds and also structuring it out based on your um your roster and having a look at your calendar and basically saying hey i need to be super focused on friday am friday morning for a podcast then i'll take this particular stack or on Wednesdays when I've got interviews with clients, then somebody may want to use, you know, other compounds. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. What I, what I like to always kind of think is that um, you use like any kind of a booster or uh, most other supplements as well, when you actually need them. So like, you know, uh, let's say uh, caffeine, like if you're, if you are planning to have like either a workout or um, some cognitively demanding, uh, work then then is the time where you can use it more uh, or at least like use it in more liberally or more in a higher dose whereas at other times it's uh, much better to kind of wean off of it a little bit to allow the body to uh, reset itself to a certain extent uh, or use like a less stimulating alternatives like uh, on a rest day when you're not going to be super in need of uh, caffeine then you can use like matcha tea that has a little bit of caffeine but it has much less and has more uh, theanine uh, or that kind of thing to kind of yeah Based on your intake, uh, based on your like a schedule of uh, what you're gonna be, what you're gonna be doing, and then you may not need to actually kind of um, rehabituate yourself uh, from them. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I think um, like once the individual becomes more aware of um, how compounds affect them, and that's the other thing for those that get into nootropics, and this is what I you know, talk about in the, in the nootropics masterclass is basically various cycling strategies so that people know. Right, so like being smart and getting the most out of each nootropic because really I, I literally view nootropics as they're just tools. Like it's just another tool in your toolkit that you might leverage, you might tap into it. But the whole idea is that we're no longer dependent on it to um, you know, be at a certain point. And the other benefit is that a lot of these nootropics can have um, compounding benefits over time where um, even after withdrawal, let's say you've been on a particular nootropic for, let's say, four weeks, even after withdrawal, it will still keep you above baseline for maybe another week or two until it clears the system. Mm, okay, gotcha. <clears throat> are there, uh, like, speaking of like addictions and dependency, like, are there any nootropics to help with, let's say, you're addicted to alcohol or uh, tobacco or something? Are there any uh, nootropics or other brain compounds uh, that uh, help to kind of... Uh, overcome that or deal with the withdrawal maybe yeah i mean um 
if we're if we're looking at someone who's um recovering from let's say alcohol addiction or um let's say even benzodiazepine valium addiction things like that there's one particular nootropic known as amoxipine which is you know heavily used in russia to treat um all sorts of neurasthenia based conditions and neurological conditions so amoxipine um is pretty you know readily available it's um a non-prescription item in, in in the us and here um and so we can just basically utilize amoxipine to restore gabaergic signaling in the brain okay <laughs> so it comes down to gaba then uh, to uh deal with the addiction yeah i mean there's the um the gaba pathway what's going to happen is with ethanol since it agonizes the gaba a receptor what we need to do is then um upregulate those receptors that have been chronically agonized and downregulated. so our job is to basically look for compounds even bpc157 can um okay. help to restore gaba um neurotransmission which is um pretty unique as well Okay. Yeah, that's uh, super interesting to know that. Um you mentioned the serotonin, so let's cover that as well. Like um obviously serotonin important for uh, sleep and relaxation to produce melatonin, uh, but like excess serotonin can also be bad by making you like docile <laughs> or uh, not motivated at all. So um how do you let's say get the optimal amount of a serotonin depending on uh yeah, like what the situation is. Some people maybe is genetically predisposed to have high serotonin or low serotonin. Uh, or it can also be like you know lifestyle used. Yeah, well, I mean, the way I like to describe serotonin is like the obedience neurotransmitter. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you want to surrender to societal norms, like right. having high serotonin is going to make you comply and be very obedient. You know, um, mm. so I mean, if somebody wants to assess whether they have high serotonin. Um, what they can do without getting a blood test, what they can do is they can do an experiment where they play around with um, the combination of BCAAs plus either tyrosine or um, tryptophan. So what happens is because because um, BCAAs share the same pathway um, into the brain as tyrosine and tryptophan, if we combine um, BCAAs plus tyrosine, we're going to be depleting tryptophan from enter- entering into the brain so we're going to shift our state more towards the dopamine dominant state mm. whereas if we want to feel what high serotonin feels like then we'll take bcaa's plus tryptophan um and that will give us more of that um, serotonin dominant state mm. okay <laughs> that's interesting super interesting to know yeah like the um tyrosine is the one that uh, is the building block for uh, dopamine and uh, then uh, tryptophan is for uh, serotonin, the billing block. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, what about uh, like neurodegeneration? Like uh, any ways to kind of combat that or slow down the aging of the brain? Yeah, one that I spoke about recently on my um, Instagram uh, before I got somehow shadow banned is um, uh, <laughs> meth- methylene blue. Methylene okay. blue is... Um, you know, really good for improving ATP production in the brain. Um, but that one there has some pretty robust effects in terms of protecting the brain from um, Alzheimer's, ALS, Parkinson's. Um, and in general, we can use a very, very low dose and still get a um, you know positive protective effect uh, in the brain. Mm. Gotcha. And 
methylene blue is uh, <clears throat> usually uh, like taken as a tincture or something, uh, but there's also like these trochies, which I think you've tried as well. Yeah, I mean, um, when I first started researching methylene blue, I, I quickly realized that it was, you know, used to treat, used to clean fish tanks because mm. um, <laughs> it's a, you know, synthetic dye. But technically speaking, it was one of the first synthetic drugs ever developed, ever. Um, it was like 1800. Wow, well, <laughs> that's a long time. Um, but it's it's still used as a, like a fish tank cleaner or... Yeah, it is, but they, they just don't use um, pharma-grade methylene blue. They use a commercial-grade, I think. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's cool. Um, you know, does it have like any negative side effects if you use too much? Or <clears throat> Yeah, so methylene blue, that's, that's a compound you've got to be really careful of because at high doses, it can slowly start to inhibit MAO-A, and so it can build up serotonin. And then the other negative side effect at high doses is that it has a... Um, like a vasoconstrictive effect, like body-wide vasoconstriction. So it can inhibit nitric oxide formation in the body. And that, again, is going to affect pumps in the gym and even uh, erectile quality in some men as well. Mm, gotcha. Are there any like uh, nootropics that actually increase like your IQ or uh, intelligence? Or is it, it going to be just a byproduct of you being more focused and uh, having better memory if you use something and then, then you have like you know, eventually more... Uh, better brain power yeah i don't think there's anything that can directly um yeah make you more intelligent but i think um the compounds that improve mitochondrial function such as uh, alcar pqq d ribose coenzyme q10 i mean i feel like these ones uh you know most likely to improve um various aspects of intelligence um because they're in general just going to pr provide the brain with more ATP and, and uh, energy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, like the, the just taking care of the brain uh, goes a long way. <laughs> uh, and you may not like need this crazy uh, smart drugs. If you're already well optimized, then you may use like yeah, some of these natural compounds. Uh, but yeah, it kind of comes down to actually like, you know, you could take like all the uh, smart drugs or the nootropics in the world. But if you don't uh, use them, or if you don't actually put into work, then uh, you're not gonna, you know, get the results either. So you still have to, the neuroplasticity side is also very important. So the nootropics almost like are a way to induce neuroplasticity in a better way that you use them to uh, do the work. And the work itself is actually the reason why you develop better memory and better, you know, focus or better uh, attention span and uh, better kind of cognition itself. Like you, the kind of end result comes from the work and the supplements are just a way to help you do the work. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely agree there. And also, there's one um, percep perceptive aspect of it as well is um, with uridine monophosphate. What it does is, I feel like it um, once you finish a task, it will essentially block the rewarding effects from task completion, so that you feel like you haven't got anything done. So yeah. basically, you're in this perpetual state of like. I haven't got any work done today. Even though you've done so much, you've basically tricked your brain into thinking you haven't done anything. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> how do you uh, get out of that? Like, uh, you have to look at the work that you already did or do you forget about it? <laughs> yeah, you got to have one hell of a Google Calendar set up so you can actually see things ticked off. Otherwise, you'll just be on the treadmill all day. Right. <laughs> 
that's uh, good to know. Yeah, like become like a very, uh, you know, you can become addicted to the high of the, of the results as well of uh, getting getting some you know positive feedback from your work and the results that you're getting, which then uh, infor- reinforces the need to kind of uh, get to the next level with that. So you want to constantly uh, stay in that same zone to keep getting the same results and kind of that that is also addictive like kind of being addicted to the success or the uh the results mm. that you're getting yeah 100 mm. percent. Um, what are your like your own personal favorites like what are the ones that you use most often and uh, which ones do you like, like the most um one that i really like and i've spoken about a quite a lot of my youtube channel is actually taurine um even though taurine technically has so many other benefits outside of the brain in terms of you know liver health kidney health um blood sugar stability things like that i really like taurine from its um just ability to 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 dampen the glutamate signaling in the brain so it can help to reduce that um overthinking or over ruminating and i respond really well to that because again it shuts that off and so i can just you know be fully present you know, not judging myself and just very um, carefree and um, disinhibited. So I really, I really like taurine and I've sort of used dosages from like 3000 milligrams to like even up to 6,000 milligrams um, on a daily basis. Mm, okay. Any other ones? Um, I mean, I've, I've played around with some other choline based ones. Um, uh, I really like alpha GPC at a very low dose. I find that's really good for um, concentration and also working memory. Mm-hmm. So again, I, 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 I do prefer lower doses, even though you see people use between 300 to 600 milligrams. I personally use between 50 to hundred milligrams and that, you know, it does a really good job at um, just improving concentration. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. I also like uh, alpha GPC. Um, it's uh like a good uh, substitute for codeine as well if you're not uh, getting enough um, from the diet or something. Uh, but what about the least favorite ones that you, you know, regret using or uh, hate using? <laughs> um, well, everyone would know that I've, I'm the guy who basically popularized um, avoiding ashwagandha. Mm. Um, and ashwagandha for me and for a lot of other guys and, and women as well, um, it can sort of induce a state of apathy and um, anhedonia, which is, you know, a blunting of pleasure and a blunting of um, motivation. And some people can just feel um, almost like indifferent. So yeah, for me, it's probably, that's been my um, probably biggest regret. Um, Even though, again, like there's going to be a lot of people that say, oh, you know, I love ashwagandha. I feel great on, you know, it helps the lower cortisol. But again, someone like me, who's, done a dutch test and my cortisol is super low it's just not good for me at all yeah yeah for sure like any anything can be um depends on the person as well i think uh who uses it and uh things that uh other anything that you uh don't like to use but you're kind of forced to use or you want you you use still (laughs) because of wanting to be productive or uh, something like that um yeah actually that thanks for reminding me there's one cordyceps mushroom it's i actually used it for like two to three years straight um for a period of time when i was playing soccer um but what what i found with cordyceps is that it it tends to make me um just very serious (laughs) like very very serious all the time so like i I just can't i just i feel like i can't relax on cordyceps um 
And I've spoken to a few clients and friends who've also felt the same thing, but um, I still think the benefits, you know, outweigh the negatives because it does have all these performance enhancing effects in the gym. My aerobic performance, when I go on my 4k runs, like I feel, I feel really fit when I take cordyceps. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. they kind of, well, notice as well, like more just uh, more endurance. Yeah. It's kind of a good way to say that more uh, this ATP production and uh, you get less tired uh, or you get, takes a longer time to get tired for sure. Uh, but how do you dose it? Like, how do you take it? Like, do you get a tincture or a powder? Um, there's a particular company in Amsterdam that I've, I actually get my cordyceps from, um, they make, they're called Orovita. They make a really high quality cordyceps. That's like standardized to uh, 1% cordyceps and like 0.3% uridine and things like that. So they, the way they extract that cordyceps, like I've compared that particular cordyceps to a lot of other brands and one capsule of their cordyceps is very like it's it's very stimulating compared to a lot of the other cordyceps okay what's the name of the brand it's um orivida o-r-i-v-e-d-a okay not many people know about them but they um they've got a good range of mushrooms um and i really like their compounds okay uh what about uh the psychedelics like um do they have any like nootropic qualities or what do you think about that <clears throat> Um, things like, so like psilocybin, LSD, yeah, things yeah, like those, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you're talking to someone who's like, I've used probably over 200 different um, compounds over the years, but I've just been very careful when it comes to psychedelics. I still haven't really had a, had a play around with any of them yet. Um, first of all, they're really difficult to acquire um, here and also, uh, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather use it when I've got full understanding and control about who's sourced the ingredient, um, you know, how to put it together. Um, but I mean, I think that they can be highly beneficial under certain circumstances, but again, they can also be, you know, very delicate and dangerous if you don't know what you're doing as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I think like, you know, the psilocybin at least uh, has a neurogenesis uh, properties and uh, the, the Paul Stamets stack itself is just like lion's mane and uh, the psilocybin together. So, mm. right. Uh, you mentioned the kind of the racetams and um, those kind of things. Um, so uh, those are one, one, one a lot of people actually use like uh, Adderall and those kind of things. Um, so well, what are the you know, potential side effects of that? And uh, do they actually work? What do you think about that? Yeah, look, I think um, the racetams, they do seem to positively affect memory. And um, you know, they do have some degree of neuroprotective effect, particularly for those who, again, are recovering from stroke or ischemia. Um, they can be you know, very advantageous in that sort of situation. Um, again, a lot of people will find that um, paracetam and oxyracetam, they do have a particular feel about them. Like they definitely feel different to many other nootropics. And um, even within them, like the paracetam, oxyracetam, coloracetam, you know, um, pramiracetam, phenylparacetam, they all subjectively have a very different feel. So if I was like a beginner and I was like wanting to know where to start, I would literally just 
order very small batches, really small amounts, and just start to play with them and see how you feel on um, each uh, racetam. Hmm. Okay, gotcha. Have you used them or uh, do you use them regularly or just like a one-time thing? Um, I went through a period when I was using them quite a lot, um, but then I just sort of, I don't know, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't really feel like they suited my brain they just i felt like they gave me um a weird sort of brain fog even though it's ironic because they're supposed to help with with brain fog even with choline um but yeah it just didn't really i don't know i don't i don't think they're really compatible with my brain hmm. yeah yeah like just this reminded me that you know the um in wars like uh it's like germans uh use like this uh, amphetamine to uh <laughs> to basically stay alert and uh, stay awake for uh, many days in a row and they will advance super fast so uh that is like technically it is like a nootropic in some way uh by boosting the alertness uh, amphetamine or crystal meth uh, but it's still like a you know a psychoactive drug with uh, like other effects as well so would you would you could you categorize it as a nootropic still um when it comes to like yeah some of those hardcore ones um they're technically they wouldn't be considered a nootropic because they're like highly depletive depleting and neurotoxic and mm. um, damage the brain long term but their ability to and their ability to sort of release neurotransmitters is like a hundredfold stronger than you know various basic nootropics so yeah unfortunately if, if they were sorry go on Hmm. Why, why why is that so like why are these um these these uh, drugs uh like you said 100 times more potent in stimulating these pathways uh, compared to like natural ones why is that it's just the way that they um like penetrate the brain and affect um neurotransmitter release they i would say they're almost like um some of them can be like suicidal in their ability to release <laughs> well <you know, laughs> neurotransmitters yeah okay. gotcha like a kamikaze yeah. <laughs> uh, what about what, what, uh, modafinil? You tried it. Yeah, modafinil is really good for keeping you awake. If you if you literally want to work from seven a.m. till seven a.m. the next day, take modafinil. Um, but again, like the fact that it impairs sleep from a biohacking perspective, I mean, sleep is the granddaddy nootropic. So if yeah. nootropics affects sleep to me the negatives outweigh the benefits big time yeah i agree completely like you you it may be useful if you're like uh yeah like a first responder or uh a, you know a, a soldier or like a pilot or something like that so then yeah it may, may be beneficial but for you like an average person uh, or even like an entrepreneur who wants to get uh, things done then uh, yeah the kind of sacrifice of the sleep in the long term is definitely not going to be kind of worth it um but but speaking of sleep like um are there like any let's say other non uh supplemental non-pharmaceutical uh nootropics that people can use you know like sleep is one of them anything else that you kind of use for the brain optimization um i've recently started playing around with um essential not essential oils but like uh it's like an essential oil vape whilst mm. there's no yeah. actual I don't know if you've seen it. it's called uh, Fum. Uh, no, I haven't. It's um just like you basically they've got like a, a, a like a fray material and you just inhale and I've been inhaling um peppermint and peppermint's very you know stimulating and so I definitely notice a um a good alertness effect from that 
Mm. Um, back in the day, I used a, I used a product called Think Gum. It was like a, um, a chewing gum that basically had like ginkgo biloba, vinpocetine, and um, some rosemary. Um, and I used that. I actually use that quite a lot before uh, my exams. Um, yeah, I'll never forget the first time I used it. I remember getting uh, 100% on one of my um, English exams. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, like all, all the essential oils can also be uh, nootropic, like uh, the peppermint essential oil or uh, some other thing. Uh, it, because the smell is also like a huge, the olfactory route is still very powerful for changing the brain state. Yeah, absolutely. The um, contextual, contextual memories, um, yeah, really apparent, particularly when you're using things like um, rosemary. Mm. Do you like uh, st stack anything with exercise? Like you take uh, some some nootropic with exercise, or uh, you take them um, after exercise or something? Do you use exercise as a, like a way to kind of get in the zone for the work as well? Like you do exercise and then you start to work, or do you? How do you play around with that? Yeah, um, there was a period of time when I was interested in um, increasing anandamide, which is um, the bliss molecule in the brain. It's actually what's released following aerobic exercise. So any sort of repetitive aerobic activity can um, release this anandamide, which is similar to the um, cannabinoids. And I was looking into compounds that could heighten the anandamide response and came across um, terostilbene, which is found in blueberries. Um, that particular polyphenol, I, I actually ordered some and played around with it and took it before my workouts, before running and stuff. And that would heighten and prolong that um, post-workout um, high feeling that you get. So that was, um, yeah, that was a really cool compound to play around with. Okay. <laughs> that sounds cool. Exercise uh, is also like uh, one of the best nootropics almost uh, because of a boosting the energy and boosting alertness and but you can also like overdo it and um, get uh, too much tired and too too much stressed out mm. uh, but yeah i think we've been <laughs> covering a whole lot of information and it's been really super interesting and people i think are gonna love it um before i ask my last question uh, where can people learn more about your work and uh, where can they get the course yeah, so um, if people want to get really stuck into nootropics and you know understand more about some of the things I spoke about, they can check out um, my nootropics masterclass. Um, ben Greenfield's gone through it; he loved it. We've got some other you know big influencers who've who've checked it out and they really enjoy the course. And to be honest, I think it's you know I really think it's one of the best nootropics courses on the web. Um, it's you know very in depth, um, so they can check that out. Um, Sim will have that linked, and then also um yeah they can follow me on youtube at boost your biology um check me out on youtube and yeah go subscribe over there awesome yeah we're gonna put all the links in the show notes and my last question is um nootropic related so like if you had to choose one nootropic only that you had to take for the rest of life then uh what would it be geez i would actually say it would be taurine because mm. taurine ticks so many boxes it does it helps the brain helps with anxiety, helps with neuroprotection. And then it's got all these other residual like downstream benefits. So I would say, and even for a cost per, per gram basis, like taurine is, I reckon, the best. <laughs> yeah, that's sounds, it's really good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Well, it was uh, great talking with you again. And uh, yeah, looking forward to your future courses. Yeah, awesome, man. Thanks for having me. It's uh, a lot of fun. 
All right, that's it for this episode. If you want to check out the Nootropics Masterclass, then head over to seamland.com forward slash Nootropics class and use the code SEAM15. Other than that, if you want to support the podcast, then make sure you share it with a friend and leave us a review on podcast apps. Thanks for listening. My name is Seam. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered.